unto thee, O Lord. Do I lift up my Joshua, the man in the book. I hope you've had a great day today. We were blessed this morning with just a multitude of visitors, and many of you had, uh, many of us had family here. That adds to a great weekend. It's been a wonderful week, a week of Thanksgiving in the nation, and Thanksgiving here at the Boonville Church of Christ. If you're joining us on social media, we welcome you tonight. Uh, we have several on our prayer list. I would like to just highlight four tonight that we're going to be praying for. Sister Sandy Bonham is going to New York for uh, extensive surgery. Austin Wentz, that's the grandson of John and Wilda Gardner. 
Uh, he was transferred from Labanner to St. Jude. He's dealing with some long issues. We want to remember him in our prayers. Brother Philip Coates had uh, neck surgery, and uh, according to Mary Alice, he is recovering well and not doing as bad as he was anticipating. And Sister Martha Eaton has just had a lot of difficulty with uh, her bones healing in her foot, and we need to remember her in our prayers. Would you bow with me, please? Our loving Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for your blessings. You are so good to us, and we're so glad that we could worship you today, and we pray that you'd be with us in our Bible study tonight. We're thankful, Father, that uh, you uh, are willing to listen to us when we ask for prayers for those that we love. We pray, Father, that you would be with Sister Sandy Bonham, and we pray that you'd be with the doctors that are going to be helping her. We pray that her surgery would go well. We ask for you to be with Austin Wentz uh, and help him to recover from his lung issues. We ask for healing for Brother Philip Coates, and we pray that uh, a medical solution could be found for Sister Martha Eaton's problems. We love you, Father. We ask that you uh, be with us in this study tonight. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Once again, in our study tonight of Joshua, <clears throat> Brother Rick Warner will be uh, reading our scriptures for us. Uh, I have a few leftovers from last week. You'll remember the... Uh, we had a lightning strike and the PowerPoint went off when we were studying about the Israelites uh, crossing Jordan. And there were some special learnings I wanted us to review from that lesson. We covered one, and that is follow God's instructions and he'll help you to get to the other side. But I had a couple of other points that I, I thought we ought to remember. And one of those is never forget what God has done for you. And you know, we dealt with memorials there last week, and those memorials were put in place to help the people to be reminded about what had happened and how good God had been to them, and, and to have them talk to their children about what God had, how God had blessed them. And I think for us, we need to make sure that the next generation knows the meaning of our own memorials. We were talking last week about crossing Jordan. In my research, I found four significant events that occurred in this general part of the Jordan Valley. You know, the Israelites crossed on dry ground going west into the Promised Land. That's what we studied last week. But also, Elijah and Elisha crossed on dry ground going east out of the promised land in 2 Kings 2 and verse 8. Then Elisha crossed back on dry ground going west back into the promised land in 2 Kings 2 and verse 14. This is also the same area of the Jordan in which Jesus was baptized as recorded in Matthew the third chapter. Uh, today, or tonight, we're going to focus on Jericho. Uh, our account will start in the fifth chapter in verse 2, and if we have time, we'll get all the way through 
verse 27 of the 6th chapter. The first part is in Joshua 2, or Joshua 5, verses 2 through 9, where God is talking about rolling away the reproach of Egypt. Brother Rick? At that time the Lord said to Joshua, Make flint knives for yourself and circumcise the sons of Israel again the second time. So Joshua made flint knives for himself and circumcised the sons of Israel at the hill of the foreskins. And this is the reason why Joshua circumcised them. All the people who came out of Egypt who were males, all the men of war had died in the wilderness on the way after they had come out of Egypt. For all the people who came out had been circumcised, but all the people born in the wilderness on the way as they came out of Egypt had not been circumcised. For the children of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness till all the people who were men of war who came out of Egypt were consumed because they did not obey the voice of the Lord, to whom the Lord swore that he would not show them the land which the Lord had sworn to their fathers that he would give us a land flowing with milk and honey. Then Joshua circumcised their sons whom he raised up in their place, for they were uncircumcised because they had not been circumcised on the way. So it was when they had finished circumcising all the people that they stayed in their places in the camp till they were healed. Then the Lord said to Joshua, This day I've rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. Therefore the name of this place is called Gilgal to this day. You know, when you think about circumcision, uh, God commanded circumcision for his people. We find this back in Genesis, the 17th chapter, verses 9 through 14. And that was to be done on the eighth day of life. You know, for those that are interested in the scientific accuracy of the Bible, the eighth day is significant because that's when vitamin K is at the highest and blood clotting is at the greatest over a newborn. And the Bible also says that those not circumcised were to be cut off from their people because they had broken the covenant. From what we just heard Brother Rick read to us, the Israelites had kept this covenant of circumcision even while they were in Egyptian bondage. But then after uh, camping at Gilgal, the Lord commanded that the children of Israel, all those that had been wandering in the wilderness and had not been circumcised, to be all those men to be circumcised. And Joshua obeyed the Lord's command. There in verse 9, when the Lord said to Joshua, This day I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. I was sort of wondering what, what that reproach of Egypt was, and I thought Adam Clark in his commentary had a pretty good insight in that. He said, their being uncircumcised made them like the uncircumcised Egyptians. And the Hebrews had considered all of those who were uncircumcised as being in a state of the grossest impurity. So now that they were circumcised, the reproach of uncircumcision was, quote, rolled away. Now that rolled away is an important term because the second part of Joshua 9, therefore the name of the place is called Gilgal to this day. And Gilgal means 
rolling round and round or rolling off. And God said, I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you, hence the name Gilgal. There are a lot of events that occurred at Gilgal, especially as we go through the book of Joshua, but also throughout the Bible. It was a place where the Israelites first camped on entering the promised land. It was a place in which Joshua circumcised all the men who had been born in the wilderness during the 40 years of wandering. It was the place in which Joshua had what we might term his fortified camp or base camp. And it was the place where his army returned after each of their expeditions against the inhabitants of the promised land. It appears to be the lodging place for the women, children, and livestock during the entire Canaanite war. And it was the place they celebrated the first Passover after coming into the promised land. It was the place where manna ceased uh, to fall, and it was where the Ark of the Covenant stayed until the conquest of Canaan. And it'll later be the place where the first king of Israel, Saul, is proclaimed. So this is this place that they camped and got named is now going to become a significant part of biblical history. Now, we're going to see in verses 10 through 12 that they celebrated the Passover and that the promised land starts to provide them food. All right, Rick, would you read for us, please? Now, the children of Israel camped in Gilgal and kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month at twilight on the plains of Jericho. And they ate of the produce of the land on the day after the Passover, unleavened bread and parched grain on the very same day. Then the manna ceased on the day after they had eaten the produce of the land, and the children of Israel no longer had manna, but they ate the food of the land of Canaan that year. So we saw there that on the 14th day of the month, they observed the Passover, and then the day after Passover, they got to eat of the produce of the promised land, and the manna stopped after they ate the produce of the promised land, or two days after they had observed Passover. Why did God stop providing, after 40 years, this manna to the children of Israel? He had given them a land flowing with milk and honey. Sir? They worked for it. All right. God is going to bless us, but he blesses us usually with what we need. The need had, had stopped at this point in time. All right. They had the produce of the promised land available to them now. Now we get a really interesting encounter here in Joshua 5, verses 13 through 15. Rick? And it came to pass when Joshua was by, was by Jericho that he lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, a man stood opposite to him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? So he said, No, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have come now, I have now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped and said to him, What does my Lord say to his servant? Then the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take your sandal off your foot, for the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. 
Joshua met this man uh, by Jericho who had drawn his sword out. And one of the first things that Joshua wants to know is, are you for us or against us? Uh, I don't know what you do if you're walking in the back alley and so you meet somebody with a, a big weapon there, but maybe we can take a hint from Joshua and we engage the person in, question, in conversation. Now Joshua recognized that this was not a mortal man, and he knew that he had been sent to encourage him, and actually we see that Joshua falls down and worships him. Now the man identified himself as the commander of the Lord's army. Now the question is asked, who was this stranger? Well, certainly we know that he was captain of the host of the Lord. Some people say that this was an angel, and some say it was Jesus. Well, I'm here to tell you that it was not an angel. Now, why would I say that? Well, there are some verses that I think could lead us to that conclusion. One is found... In Revelation, the 22nd chapter, verses 8 and 9. Now I, John, saw and heard these things, and when I heard and saw, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel who showed me these things. Then he said to me, See that you do not do that, for I am your fellow servant, and of your brethren the prophets, and of those who keep the words of this book. Worship God. So John had tried to worship an angel, and that angel said, Whoa, you don't do that. You just worship God. Now, doesn't that remind you of some words of Jesus when Jesus was being tempted of the devil? In Matthew 4, verses 9 and 10, And he said to him, All these things I will give you if you'll fall down and worship me. This is the devil talking to Jesus. Then Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan. For it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. Brother Luther pointed out that in Acts 10, Cornelius fell down before Peter, and Peter had him to get up, because Peter said, I am just a man. We're not supposed to worship men, we're not supposed to worship angels, we're just supposed to worship God. You know, there in Joshua 5, verse 15, then the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take your sandals off your foot, for the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. You know, this reminds me of what was said to Moses at the burning bush back in Exodus, the third chapter, verses 5 through 7. Brother Rick, would you read that, please? Then he said, Do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt, and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows your sandals off your feet for the place where you stand is holy ground. That was said to Moses, very similar to what was said 
to Joshua. Joshua knew the Lord was with him, and his help came from God, not man. And this gave Joshua the courage to proceed because he knew that God was going to give him and the children of Israel the victory. Now then, I want you to just notice what Jericho's status is. We, hear, we read about that in the first and second verse of chapter 6. Rick? Now Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand. It is king, its king and the mighty men of valor. Back to Jericho, what has God done for the Israelites? He's given them Jericho. All right, he said he is going to give them the victory. All right. Now, if you're a, if you're a Jerichoite, how are you feeling about right now? You're trembling a little bit. You're shaking in your sandals. Why are you shaking in your sandals? You've heard the news across the land around what's going on. Well, what had just gone on? What did we study about last week? The Jordan, the water had piled up as a heap. And the, this million and a half plus people... We still, you know, about a half a million of them are still over on the other side. Have crossed over Jordan on dry land. And the word sort of gets out. They didn't have Facebook and all that kind of stuff. But the word got out. He has melted the hearts of the people of Jericho. And as Brother Mormon said, he said, I have given the victory to the Israelites. Now, right after saying, I have given the victory to the Israelites, we're going to find that there are some things that the Israelites have still got to do, though. <clears throat> Jericho was completely shut up within its walls. The Bible says that no one came in or went out, and he does assure them of victory. Now, in verses 3 through 14, we're going to find out how God describes man's part, at least for the first six days in the conquest of Jericho. All right, Rick. You shall march around the city. All you men of war, you shall go all around the city once. Then you shall do, it, do six days. This you shall do six days. And seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. But the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times and the priests shall blow the trumpets. It shall come to pass when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, that all the people shall shout with a great shout, then the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people shall go up every man straight before him. Then Joshua the son of Nun called the priests and said to them, Take up the ark of the covenant, and let seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord. And he said to the people, Proceed and march around the city, and let him who is armed advance before the ark of the Lord. So it was when Joshua had spoken to the people that the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Lord advanced and blew the trumpets, and the ark of the covenant of the Lord followed them. The armed men before the priest who blew the trumpets, and the rear guard came after the ark while the priest continued blowing the trumpets. 
Now Joshua had commanded the people, saying, You shall not shout or make any noise with your voice, nor shall a word proceed out of your mouth until the day I say to you, Shout, then you shall shout. So it had the ark of the Lord circle the city going around it once. Then they came into the camp and lodged in the camp. And Joshua rose early in the morning, and the priests took up the ark of the Lord. Then seven priests bearing seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord went on continually and blew with the trumpets. And the armed men went before them. But the rear guard came after the ark of the Lord while the priests continued blowing the trumpets. And the second day they marched around the city once and returned to the camp. So they did six days. We find that they're obeying the instructions of the Lord. You'll remember back earlier when uh, the people had been asked if they were going to follow God's commands, they said that they were. They testified that they were. And we see here they're following some rather hard instructions. It is hard not to, not to speak, especially if you got to not speak and you're out there with a large group of people marching around like they were. We're just going to look at the sequence of what we heard. Compass the city once per day for six days. Seven priests were to go before the Ark of the Covenant with seven trumpets. The Ark of the Covenant followed these priests. The army was divided. You had some in front of the Ark and some after the Ark. It seems that protection of the Ark of the Covenant is of utmost importance. And only the sound of the priest's trumpets were to be heard. And the people were to be quiet until the final march around the city. And the city was compassed the six days as instructed. Now we're going to look at the conquest of Jericho. We're going to talk about what happened on the seventh day and then what they did to take over Jericho. All right, Rick. But it came to pass on the seventh day that they rose early about the drawing of the day, dawning of the day and marched around the city seven times in the same manner. On that day only they marched around the city seven times. And the seventh time it happened when the priests blew the trumpets that Joshua said to the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. Now the city shall be doomed by the Lord to construct destruction, <clears throat> it and all who are in it. Only Rahab the harlot shall live she and all who are with her in the house, because she hid the messengers that we sent. And you, by all means, abstain from the accursed things, lest you become accursed when you take off, take of the accursed things, and make the camp of Israel a curse and trouble it. But all the silver and gold and vessels of bronze and iron are consecrated to the Lord. They shall come into the treasury of the Lord. So the people shouted when the priests blew the trumpets, and it happened when the people heard the sound of the trumpet, and the people shouted with a great shout that the wall fell down flat. Then the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city. And they utterly destroyed all that was in the city, both man and woman, young and old, ox and sheep and donkey, with the edge of the sword. But Joshua had said to the two men who had spied out the country, Go into the harlot's house, and from there bring out the woman and all that she has, as you swore to her. And the young man who had been spies went in and brought out Rahab, her father, her mother, her brothers, and all that she had. So they brought out all her relatives and left them outside the camp of Israel. But they burned the city and all that was in it with fire. 
only the silver and gold and the vessels of bronze and iron they put into the treasury of the house of the Lord. And Joshua spared Rahab and the harlot, her father's household, and all that she had. So she dwells in Israel to this day, because she hid the messengers whom Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. Then Joshua charged them at that time, saying, Cursed be the man before the Lord who rises up and builds this city Jericho. He shall lay its foundation with his firstborn, and with his youngest he shall set up its gates. So the Lord was with Joshua, and his fame spread throughout all the country. They continued to follow the instructions. They rose up early, and they compassed the city seven times. And on the seventh time, the priest blew the trumpets, and the people shouted. What happened when they did that? The walls fell down flat, okay? Only Rahab and her household were to be spared. Now Joshua tells them not to take spoils. Things like silver and gold and brass and iron can be taken, but who, who, who is to get that? That goes into the Lord's treasury. This was not for an individual to take. Now this is going to be important when we get over into the battle for Ai and the people get defeated. And we'll see that in a subsequent lesson. All instructions were to be followed exactly. The walls fell flat and they took the city and they utterly destroyed the city. The Bible says they burned the city except for Rahab and her household, because Joshua had sent two spies to rescue Rahab and her family. We read about this in Hebrews, the 11th chapter. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. By faith, the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies with peace. Rahab becomes a very famous person, not only because she is here in the Hall of Fame of the Faithful, why else did Rahab become a famous person? She was in the lineage of Jesus. There are a couple of Gentile women that are listed in the lineage of Jesus. We find in Matthew, the first chapter, verse 1 and verse 5. You know, this is where the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And then we get down to verse 5. It talks about Salmon begot Boaz by Rahab. This is the same Rahab that earlier had been called a harlot. The same Rahab that had the courage to have, to see the evidence of what God was doing and say, I believe that there is a true God and it is the God of Israel and I want to be obedient to that God. She was willing to stand up to her own government officials and protect the spies. She made a contract with the two spies that came in that she would, if she would protect them, they would be saved, and they honored that contract. You'll also see there in verse 5 that Boaz begot 
Obed by Ruth. Now, we know that Ruth was also a Gentile. So here we have two Gentile women who are, go down in history as being part of the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Now, just some food for thought based on what we've learned here in lesson number four. Why do you think the first spoils of the capturing of Canaan went to the Lord's house and not to the people? like a first fruits offering. Explain a little bit about a first fruits offering, would you, Brother Ken? Brother Ken indicated that those first, you pray to the Lord for a great harvest. When the harvest comes in, you take the first of that harvest and you offer it to the Lord and anticipate that He's going to continue to bless you with more and more harvest. And, and this is a great parallel here because this is their first city to capture and the, first, and, the, and the spoils of the first city, the gold, the silver, the iron, the brass... They can take that, but they can't keep it for themselves. It's got to go to the house of the Lord. Now, the first fruits of the war of the promised land were to go to the house of the Lord. Now, when you think about that, what is the lesson here for us? Or is there a lesson here for us? And if there is, what is it? Brother Mormon points out that in Proverbs we're told that if we'd give God the first fruits, that he would open the gates of heaven and we would receive bounty that we couldn't even believe or wouldn't be able to consume. There's a principle here that God comes first, and God can tell whether he comes first or not by checking our checkbook or our, what we do with the resources that he has blessed us with. In Matthew 6 and verse 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. What were the things that would be added unto you that are talked about here? The necessities of life, food, clothing. You know, God takes care of the birds of the air. The lilies of the field are clothed better than any of us. And if God is going to take care of the lilies of the field and the birds of the air, he'll take care of us if we seek first the kingdom of God. There are some archaeological testimony. Uh, I'm just going to highlight a few of these. Part of the north wall... There, by the way, there have been at least four archaeological digs into what was ancient Jericho. And one of the things that were found was part of the north wall did not fall, and on this wall was a house. 
Now, when the spies talked to Rahab, does anybody remember what, what the signal was so they'd know where Rahab's house was? Scar scarlet cord hanging from the window coming down over the wall. Now, when the walls fell flat, if, that, if Rahab's house had been on the wall and it had fallen flat too, they wouldn't have been able to find her. So when they go and they do this dig and they find this house still on the wall, what does that tell you? God is a powerful God. And, and God can do marvelous things. This is a, this is a marvelous testimony of what God did to preserve that house so that the two spies could go then and find Rahab and her relatives and take them out. And so that Rahab could ultimately become part of the genealogy of Jesus Christ. The way the walls fell is a very interesting thing. I'm... Uh, if you got a sheet of paper, when we get to the, one of the latter slides, I'm going to give you a website reference if you want to go back and, and do some more research on your own about the archaeology of Jericho. It's, it is uh, very faith-building. One of the things is the city had been burned, and there was a layer of ashes in the remains. <coughs> Excuse me. Um... God told them to burn the city, and they obeyed God. Almost everybody in this army obeyed God. Not everybody, and we'll study about the one that didn't in a subsequent lesson. But one of the things that they were told to do was they would burn the city. So, so when they go in and they're doing this dig and they find a layer of ash all over the city, what does this tell you? It was burned, just like God said. Sister Marilyn said that when she traveled to Israel, they were doing archaeological digs in Jericho, and that in 2020, in some of those digs, they, they found more evidence of the burning. Now, another fact is, in the remains were vessels of grain, and most conquering people would take the grain with them because grain was like money. And yet, when they went in these digs, they found these pots, and inside the pots there were grain. Uh, now, what kind of instructions had the people been given about taking things like spoils? Don't do it. Now, this is a lot of people that are the men of war that are in this city. And what are they doing what are they doing in the city? 
well, they're hunting gold and silver and brass and iron, but basically they're killing everything in there. They're killing men, women, children, livestock. They have a lot of work to do. And the work that they're doing, but as they're going around doing this, they're going to see the spoils that are left there. And part of those spoils are going to be, well, Jericho was, the Bible tells us that the people were not going in and going out. You know, they had all sorts of resources, and that included grain, but these people were not taking the grain. And that's just surprising because normally when an army would come in, they would take the grain, but they didn't. So this tells me that everybody, except for the exception we're going to study about later, were following God's instructions. Now, this is sort of a uh, schematic that the archaeologists have shown of what the wall looked like. There were actually two walls. There was an upper wall that went up about to a height of about 26 feet, and there was a lower wall that went up to a height of a... Well, you can see the, the little figure of the man there, and you can see how that went. And then there was a dirt berm between it. This is another schematic of sort of how that would look. And the walls fell down flat. It was on a hill. And so you're thinking about if you're, a, if you're an army that's coming in, and you, you're going to, if you use a battering ram to knock down the walls, you'd knock them inward. But some of the archaeology shows that the walls fell down flat. So take a look at that bottom wall. When it falls down flat, what it's going to create, it's going to create a ramp. And just the way the walls fell provided a ramp for the Israelites to go up into the city. And in Joshua, the sixth chapter in verse 20, so the people shouted when the priests blew the trumpets, and it happened when the people heard the sound of the trumpet and the people shouted with a great shout that the wall fell down flat. The people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city. So the point is, the Bible is accurate. When the Bible says the people went up into the city, they actually did go up. And these people, you know, we, we don't ever hear of casualties in the capturing of the city of Jericho. The Bible doesn't mention any Israelite cap captives. On the other side... How many were killed in Jericho? Every one of them. God said, I have given you the victory. And these men of war went right over what had been their protective wall into the city and began to eliminate the people of Jericho. 
Now, if you want to do private study on this, you, you can. I would suggest that you Google the Walls of Jericho Associates for Bible Research, and that's the website shown there. It, it, I, this reports on four different digs in Jericho, and I found it as I read through it to be very faith-building. I hope that you would find it the same way. From your own research, has anybody got anything else to add about this battle of Jericho? The Lord's Supper is available in the little chapel for those who were unable to participate in that from memorial this morning. Would you bow with me, please? Our loving Heavenly Father, we are just awestruck by the evidence that you are God. We know that your word is truth, and we are so built up in our faith when we find that people who were doubters have been convinced that what you said was truth. We know your son said that your word is truth, and we believe you, Father. We pray that as we study Joshua, that we would find lessons that would be applicable to ourselves. And we pray that we would never doubt your word. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.